Today's episode is a very special episode and it is dedicated to the topic of behavioural euthanasia, which is a topic that I have pushed upon briefly in previous episodes. However, I felt that this is such an important topic that I wanted to dedicate a full one, if not two episodes to the subject of behavioural euthanasia. Now, you may not be a stranger to this topic and I hope that at the end of these um, episodes, you will have gained support, um, understanding and a clearer view of where you can go to gain some support and um, speak to people that have, have been in a similar situation. So because this is such an important topic, I wanted to talk to somebody that really knows their stuff and really knows um, you know, this, this subject inside and out. And so I have been in touch with a lady called Sue Alexander, who is a certified dog behaviour consultant, a certified professional dog trainer, knowledge and skills assessed, and a certified behaviour consultant, canine knowledge assessed. And for the past 27 years, Sue has been teaching dog training and she owns and operates Dogs in the Park in Ontario. I cannot pronounce the place. Guelph, Guelph, Guelph Ontario, uh, with her husband, John. And they offer full service dog training, both in person and online. And in 2019, Sue founded Losing Lulu, the online support group for people who have lost animal companions to a behavioural euthanasia. And say animal companions, because it isn't limited to dogs, it's, it's any companion that you may have had. And so I would like to introduce to the episode Sue, who is going to um, tell you a bit about herself and what she does and um, you know what behavioural euthanasia is and what it isn't. So without further ado, I am going to pass over to Sue and uh, we'll start this uh, episode on behavioural euthanasia. So Sue, thank you so much for coming on this episode and for agreeing to talk to me. Um, this is such an important topic and it is one that I am very passionate about because I feel that it is a topic that is still very much a taboo for some people and isn't as widely accepted or spoken about as maybe it could be. So would you, um, you know, I would just like to speak to you and get, get your professional opinion and um, just hear a bit more about yourself and what you do. And, um, you know, hopefully I've- Thanks so much. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm really honored to be here. This is, uh, this is quite exciting. This is actually my first overseas interview. So that's, that's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, and we're so lucky that now we can reach around the world and it's something that you know i i found through my work on losing lulu that this isn't just something that happens at in your neighborhood or in your home or in your community this is something that's happening all over the world and behavioral euthanasia has some particularly unique um aspects to it um, because it's so poorly accepted and i have talked to people now who have said to me you know I, I'm so ashamed, but 20 years ago, I had a cat 
and this cat was urinating all over my house and I had two small children and if I hadn't had the kids maybe and you know and and I'm so ashamed I never told anybody I told people that I gave him away and you know they'll say to me things like that about you know a long time ago when I was a child, we had a dog and the dog bit the postman and my uncle said that he gave the dog away to his friend, but I know he really shot him. And so this has been going on a long, long time and people have been really afraid to talk about it because what happens is, and I know this from my own experiences, is that people are extremely judgmental and they say things like, well, you know, if that if that animal had been under my care, I could have and then fill in the blanks. I could have given him more exercise or given him more enrichment or given him more training or I would have been tougher on him or I would have been easier on him. And somehow or another, everybody has this idea that they would be able to solve the problem that you couldn't. And what that means for people is they don't get the support that they need. And so we're going to, you and I, I think, are going to do another episode at some point real soon about Losing Lulu, which is the support group. But today, um, we're just going to talk about, you know, what is behavioral euthanasia and and how that is, um, how that's different, how that may be unique. How do we come to the decisions? Um, You know, what steps need to be taken, that kind of thing. So... Um, I think we're going to do this with question and answer, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. why don't you ask the questions? And because I can, t- I can talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, you know, actually, before, before we do that, we should set the stage a little bit. I, you're going to find that I laugh a lot when we talk about this. And um, I don't think it needs to be all grim. I don't think it needs to all be sad. Um you know, so so for anybody in the audience who is worried about the fact that you may be grieving or you may even be pre-grieving, you may be in the state where you're considering behavioral euthanasia and you're starting that pre-grieving process or anticipatory grieving process, okay, you still have the right to laugh. You have the right to laugh about the situation. Um, I remember I had one one dog that I took in to euthanize and um, he was very, very aggressive. He was also elderly. I took him in and on the way in to euthanize him, he was sitting in the back of my car and he punctured a whole case of motor oil and I had motor oil all over the inside of my oh, car no. and I got to the vet and he's covered in motor oil. <laughs> I'm looking at him and I'm like, you're kidding. <laughs> On the worst day, when he tried to eat my my assistant, and he filled the back of my (laughs) so you know, funny things happen. Yeah, and um, that is actually now thirty well twenty five years later. I guess that's that's now a fond and funny memory. Yeah, and and it's okay to laugh. It's in fact it's important for us to laugh. I think. Yeah. So, all right, now you get to ask the questions. It's okay, your turn okay. now. <laughs> okay, so first question uh, is, what is behavioral euthanasia? So if anyone out there that may have heard the term and have made up their own minds about what the meaning is, um, what is the actual meaning of behavioral euthanasia for the layperson out there? So, so 
A behavioral euthanasia is any euthanasia that is happening as a primary outcome due to a behavior problem. And I want to emphasize that the spectrum of behavior problems is very, very broad. So as an example, I had a horse who became very dangerous to handle. She would rear and strike and she would run away and she was risking getting into traffic and, um, you know, she under saddle, she was throwing people. And so I would not necessarily say that she was aggressive, but she was dangerous. Yes. And in the end, what we chose to do was to euthanize Kayak. And, and she was my very special, very good friend. She was my very first horse. Yes. And, um, you know, when she became dangerous, the primary reason that we euthanized her was because she was dangerous. It was not because of the fact that she also had arthritis in her front feet and she had an effusion in her hocks. Yes. Although those medical conditions were there as well, the primary reason we chose to euthanize her was that she was dangerous. Yeah. It could be an animal who is incredibly anxious. Um, I have a colleague who has a cat and they're considering behavioral euthanasia for the cat because the cat is over grooming to the extent where she's causing medical problems. They've exhausted things like feel away and medication and behavior modification and enrichment. And that cat is truly suffering. And, yeah. you know, they're in the, the last throes of that where they're considering what their options are. But the primary reason that that animal might be euthanized is because she is continually so causing self-harm. And of course, the one that most of us are, are thinking of is aggression. Yeah. Um, aggression and aggression in dogs is probably one of the most common reasons that dogs are euthanized for behavior. Um, yeah. But there's all kinds of reasons. Um, so, you know, it's any euthanasia. And as you have talked about in, in your previous podcast, a euthanasia should be a good death. It should be a kind death where we alleviate suffering. Yeah. Um, and that can some, I think we're going to talk about that in a few minutes about what, yeah. what might happen, you know, if it doesn't go the way, go as planned. Yeah. Um, because yeah. sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, that's true. And like, like you said, I mean, I've I've always said that uh, mental suffering is just as valid a reason for euthanasia as physical, because a lot of the time people think that euthanasia should only be considered if, a, if an animal is physically suffering. However, I've always said think... that, you know, I mean, what mental suffering, I think, is just as well, valid. I think... And I think that's a hard one for most people because, you know, with physical suffering, you can point to an x-ray, you can point to a wound, you can point to blood work, you can point to something and say, this specifically is what's wrong. But yeah. when you're looking at behavior, behavior itself is kind of secondary to the actual problem. Mm. So the overt expression of behavior of, you know, aggressing or, um, you know, even just my horse's very wild and out of control behavior, that is the symptom of something that's going on in the brain, but it's not something we can measure. So what yeah. we have to do is we have to take that measure of the secondary thing. Yeah. And I kind of, one of the things that I liken it to is I think about um, the speed of water. If you watch a river flowing, 
you can tell that it's flowing quickly, not because you see the molecules of the water, but you see things like leaves passing by you really, really quickly. So mm. the river itself may be going really quickly, but you don't see the speed of the river. You see the speed of the things in the river moving. And that's what behavior is like. It's not the mm. river. It's yeah. the item that's being carried along by the river. Yeah. And yeah. that's hard for people to, to put that together. But when you use an analogy like that, mm. people can somebody sometimes go, oh, wait a minute. The yeah. suffering is really big because the behavior is really extreme. Yeah. So it's not the problem itself. It's the indication of the problem. Yeah, yeah that's a re I like that analogy that's do you know like when you said that you can picture it and you and it's a real sort of light bulb moment you're like I, oh yeah no it's a really good analogy I like that uh, yeah I like um, analogies I'm good oh, at I them do, yeah I love I love analogies um yeah I, I like it's uh well sometimes it's just easier to explain something in in a different way that like you say you can if you can actually picture it you could think, ah, you know, it's just easy to get your head around. Um, so, you know, you were, you were saying that, like, you know, um, behavioural euthanasia, it can be for any number of reasons. It could be, like you say, that, you know, with your horse, that she was she was dangerous, you know, not necessarily aggressive, but dangerous. And, like, your friend's cat that um, is, you know, over-grooming and is, like, suffering in, in, in a way because, you know, um, it's you know mentally that they're struggling so i think for, when i first heard the term behavioral euthanasia i instantly thought aggressive dogs and that because that was what i'd been led oh to almost everybody does yeah so what is behavioral euthanasia like is it always associated with aggression or as you said is it you know other other issues that contribute any of those issues any of those issues so mm -hmm. if you have a ferret Mm -hmm. And that ferret has begun to chew things to the extent where they are unable to function on a daily basis, or if they are, you know, biting their own limbs or chasing tail or spinning. Okay. Yeah. That might be a, a behavior problem that is only going to be alleviated by euthanasia. However, we have to think about, you know, okay, what steps do we take? And there are some universal steps I think that we should take when we're talking about considering euthanasia. So we need to do things like um, we have to consult an expert. And the first, the first expert I like people to reach out to is their veterinary team. I like to work with the veteran team wherever possible. Yeah. And the second one is someone who is trained in behavior. Yeah. And that can be tricky. I've got a, a bunch of letters after my name and you've got a bunch of number, letters after name. But the general public doesn't, you know, um, CDBC is the first set of letters behind my name. But mm -hmm. people don't recognize CDBC the way that they recognize, say, MD um, or yeah. DVM, you know. So mm -hmm. those are or... or uh, you know, I'm not sure what you might have in the UK, but um, you have, uh, do you have DVM, Doctor of Veterinary Medicine? MRCVS. Oh, MRCVS, right. Yeah. right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
it, when you see the letters behind my name, especially if you're in the UK, you're not going to recognize that I am a behavior professional. Yeah. And so it means that you do have to do a little bit of homework to find that out. But ideally, you want to be working with your veterinarians, your veterinary nurses, your veterinary technicians. You want to be working with a trainer, preferably a trainer who's got education yeah. and probably working with a behavior consultant or um, some other behavior specialist and and right now it's it's the wild west there's no legislation anywhere that control what they are so you're gonna have to talk to your vet about how do i know that this person is is qualified to do what they're doing and often the vets don't know either so you know you can look up organizations like the council for the certification of professional dog trainers which is an international organization Um, You can look up the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants and learn about their designations. Um, I know you in the UK, you've got some really cool ones. Um, Actually, years ago, I looked at going to the UK to take some training, um, but it was just cost prohibitive. I wasn't able to do it. Um, But, you know, look up look up the person's accreditations and make sure they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And it's usually a long process when you've got an animal who's got a behavior problem. And, you know, with my horse, I am not a horse, horse professional. I ride recreationally. And although I'm serious about my riding and I'm a behavior professional, I consulted my veterinarian and I consulted a trainer and I consulted a very good trainer where we talked for a long time about what are some of the options. And we tried a number of things. Um, you know, we, we tried uh, um, different exercise regimes and we tried some medication. And in the end, we came to the point where we decided there was nothing more that we could do without risking that someone was going to get hurt. Yeah. So what I like to see people do is I like to see them consult with a team wherever yeah. possible. And now it's so easy. It's so easy because if I can't meet your needs, I can refer to you, refer you to someone online who can. So yeah. my area of expertise is dog behavior. Yeah. And generally, if I can't help you, I'm going to refer you to a veterinary behaviorist. And in um, North America, we have about 50 of them. And I work with one specific um, in Alabama. And yeah. so I'm in Ontario, in Canada, she's in Alabama, in the States. And if I can't help you, then I'm going to refer you to her and she can do an online consult with you from Alabama. And I think that's really cool, you know, is that we've got options now that we didn't have before COVID. And people can can expect with um, a behavior problem that they are going to go through a number of long stages. So there's kind of the exploratory stage of saying, okay, well, what's wrong? Do we know why the animal is behaving this way? Do we know if there's a source to the problem or a cause to the problem? And then we're gonna say, okay, well, what are our treatments options? So, you know, from my end of the bench, I'm gonna be talking about applied behavior analysis and I'm gonna be talking about operant behaviors and classical behaviors, gonna talk about management and all of that sort of thing. Um, you know, and I've got a number of courses that people can take online. I think we're going to, um, I'm going to send you a, a list of the links for things that, that I've yep. got on offer. Yes, um, yep. And, 
you know, we've got webinars and we've got consults and so on. And then you're going to have to expect to probably do some pretty significant behavior modification. Mm -hmm. And one of the problems with that is resources. Mm. Um, I know you and I have been trying to connect for a long time because you've got kids (laughs) and they go to school and you've got other work to do. And, and that's kind of, when you sort of think of a busy life like that, yeah. and then I say to you, okay, and now to meet your dog's needs, your dog can't be in the same room as any of your family members, mm-hmm. and your dog must be hand-fed, and your dog must be leash-walked four times a day, and yeah. your dog, or, or often what I'm going to say to people is your dog must not be leash walked during the daytime you must choose a time or a place where he's not going to encounter other dogs and then people say to me sue i don't think i do that yeah and i'm gonna say okay but if we don't do that the risks are that someone is going to get badly hurt yeah and this is one of the the things that i think is tricky about behavior behavioral euthanasia is that Mm -hmm often it comes down to how many resources do you have to throw at the problem because i'm betting some of our audience is sitting here thinking like okay i'm going to do the math here if i go and see the veterinarian i don't know what's a veterinary visit going to cost in your town yeah in in canada a veterinary visit would probably just to get in the door is probably going to cost you about 75 canadian dollars so that's going to be probably about oh i don't know maybe 45 pounds 40 pounds yeah I'd, I'd say so about that for a consult yeah 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 and then you know you're gonna have to pay to pay to see me and yeah. to see me um i sell a package deal where you work with m- me and my team for eight weeks you might see me for up to five privates but you're probably not going to see me that often but you'll be in program three to four times a week and the going to cost you $550. Well, that's going to, okay, let's do the math on that. That's going to be about, you know, somewhere around between maybe 260 and 300 pounds. Mm. And then you may, I may take you back to the veterinarian to get some blood work and get some health check. So now you've got your vet visit again. So another 40 or 45 pounds, and then we may need to do blood work. So there's another hundred pounds there. And then we yeah. may say, hey, and now we need medication. And medication can be an ongoing cost, and it can be very, very low. Um, you know, some things like thyroid medication may cost you $15 a month, so maybe, you know, seven or eight pounds a month. Or it could be very, very high. You could be talking about a very complex cocktail of medications that yeah. will run you 100 to 150 pounds a month. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is very hard for people is when they just don't have the resources, whether that's financial resources or time resources to meet the needs with, with, of their dogs. Yeah. And that's, that's so difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a case right now that I'm working where I've, I've said to the clients, I've said, if you are unable to keep your family members safe, I can't work with you. And it, you know, because there've been a number of bites that should not have happened. And I don't want to, I don't want to drop the ball on my clients, but I also can't help them if they can't put the, the management into place to keep people safe. And that gets really, really tricky because Mm -hmm. the client then said to me, well, if you don't work with me and nobody else will work with me, what am I to do? And that's when I start getting into talking about 
perhaps it's time. And this is a dog who has landed many, many bites and some damaging bites. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, I have to say, okay, we've got to seriously talk now about whether your dog is suffering so much. Yeah. And then I can help you find that way through the problem. So it's tough because now what is my client going to go away saying? They're going to say, okay, you know, I've failed. And I want my clients to know, no, you haven't failed yeah. when you've decided that you don't have the resources and you need to, um, you need to, to euthanize the dog. It's not mm. their fault that they can't make, make all of the, the management work for their dog. Yeah. The amount of management to keep that particular dog safe is incredible. They live with with children and it means you know gates and double gates and barriers and crates and yeah. x pens and exercise the dog separately and feed the dog separately and groom the dog separately and still that's ahead of doing any training they haven't done any training yeah. so you know at that point the clients are going to feel awful yeah and it's just it's really really tough and this is when in my own behavior practice, when I'm working with a client like that, I say, okay, let's step back. Yeah. Let's, this is all tough. Let's step back and let, let's think about this now. Let's take a breath. Everybody take a breath and just relax a bit yeah. and say, what must it be like for your dog to live in this situation? Yeah. It, a lot of times people say, I can't do this because I'm going to feel bad mm. and I'm going to agree anytime that you feel bad. I am absolutely clear that euthanizing my horse was the right decision. Yeah. This is going back 11 months now. I am still sad. Yeah. And that's okay. That's normal. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way I should. Well, if you don't feel sad about it, yeah. then, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of says some, pretty unpleasant things about you so you know that's, that's kind of where I go with this yeah yeah so I suppose um like you say you know quality of, we talk about like quality of life as an indicator of whether euthanasia should be considered or not as well and I think that with regards to for instance like behave well for anything really but I think you've got to also think of the quality of life of the of the animal, but also of the people living with that animal too. Because, like you say, you know, there's um, there's so much to think about. It's like the actual animal, how they're feeling and how they're coping, and how much effort goes into just trying to give them a little bit of peace and. But then you think about the owners and I mean, I've read stories of owners that were doing almost like um, it's almost like a timeshare of the living room, you know, the yep. um, and rotating the crates around and heaven forbid you leave a door open and that dog meets with that dog or the cats come in. And, and you just think this is no life for any of you. And, you know, and you can see why I can see why people would feel bad for considering euthanasia because of what what it entails and because it's such a permanent solution but when you think of the you know of what everybody's going through and especially the poor animal that's living that life you know trapped in their own head and body and 
and you just think, you know, it, to me, I've always thought euthanasia is a blessing and a kindness. And, you know, yes. I just, I really hope that anyone listening to this episode, if they're going through a behavioural euthanasia, if they're thinking about it or they've just been through it, I really hope that they hear this and they think that was me and that they get some comfort from it. Because what, um, you know, we've sort of talked a little bit about what owners may be feeling. Uh, so there's obviously like feelings of maybe, I don't know if guilt's the right word because guilt sort of implies that you intend to do something, you know, that there was an intent behind something. But I suppose we do feel a Well, bit I think guilty. a lot of people do feel, I think a lot of people do feel guilty because mm. again, when we come back to that river analogy, you're not looking mm -hmm. at the molecules, you're looking at what's carried along the flow yeah and i think for a lot of of owners and families what they feel is if i had only tried harder yeah. my intentions for this animal were very good if yeah. i had only tried harder and i yeah. challenge people to do two things the first thing is is step outside of your own self mm -hmm. and look at this from the outside looking in if you consider yeah. my situation with my horse um, I don't know if you have owned horses or have been around horses much, but I just challenge you, if if you were looking at my situation and we've got 1,200 pounds of animal tearing away from people and rearing and striking and bucking, yeah, would you say, gee, Sue, you should try harder. You're not doing nearly enough yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried for years with that horse. Okay. Yeah. You would never say that to me. No. And then what I say is, okay, now step back inside your own situation mm -hmm. and take a look at it again. So when I look at, at some of my clients, I had one client who was getting up at four in the morning to walk his dog. Then yeah. he would go back to bed for an hour from five to six and get up and get ready to go to work. Yeah. So from four to five every morning for five years, this man got up to walk his dog because at four o'clock in the morning, he could walk the dog without running into anybody. Yeah. And when he eventually needed to euthanize that dog, he said, I really feel like I could do more. And I look at that and I'm like, like what? Yeah. <laughs> Just exactly what are you figuring more would have been? What, yeah. what would have been enough for you to feel? And I said, turn it around. Let's look at somebody else. If you look at someone else doing that, get outside of your situation. Yeah. Would you look at someone else and say, well, they just didn't try hard enough getting up at four in the morning every day for five years? Well, that's not enough. Yeah. And and the other thing that I want to say to people about the whole guilt thing is let's also take a look at um, if this was a medical problem. So let's just say that your animal had been hit by a car. Let's say you had a cat and he had been hit by a car. And the, um, the veterinarian said to you, okay, this is great. I'm so glad that we saved your cat. Um, now, for the next 25 years, or not 25 years, I'm sorry, cats don't live that long. Um, for, the, for, the next, for the next five years, um, and I'm just going to pause here. Somebody is yeah, waving yeah. outside my window. All right. 
somebody's trying to drop off a package to my my front door and they had to check that it's me except yeah. that during COVID, of course you can't answer the door no no <laughs> all right so he was trying to convince to see who who it was so <laughs> Anyway, so if, if he said, if the, the veterinarian said to you, you know, for the next five years, you are going to have to change this cat's dressing yeah. three times a day. Mm -hmm. You are going to have to tube feed him and you are going to have to help him express his bladder and bowels. Yeah. Would that be enough at that point that you would say, that's unreasonable to expect that I'm going to be able to do that? And often that's exactly what we're asking us to do when we're talking about a behavior problem. We're talking about turning their entire lives on, on their head and they yeah. still say, I don't feel like I did enough. Uh -huh. And again, it's an indication internally to me how much the animal's suffering. When you have to turn your life upside down, sideways and backwards, yeah. consider that that means that your animal is not living a good, normal, healthy life with good welfare. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's natural that we feel sad when we lose a, a family member, an animal yeah. family member. Yeah. But I think that we can, can do a lot to start to look at, should we feel guilty about this? And of yeah. course, we're always going to have feelings of remorse. That's, mm. that's normal. Yeah. yeah. And regret. Yeah. But let's call them what they are. I feel remorseful that I didn't do something. I feel remorseful that I did try something. That's fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But to say, yeah, I feel guilty, there's a subtle difference in that there. And I think that what we need to do is we need to say, I've done enough. I've done everything reasonable and then some. And I don't, I don't want people to feel like you have to try everything. I want you to mm -hmm. try everything reasonable yes. before you make this decision. Yeah, yeah. And all right that looked different for everybody as well doesn't it like what is reasonable expectation for one is not you know so you know you, one person could do x y and z but if somebody else can only do x y then that if that's enough for them then that's enough you know it's yeah you know it's very that, personal yeah 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 it's Thanks. very personable. And one of the other things I want to tell people is mm -hmm. if you've got a professional who's working with you who is not being supportive, yeah. okay, and that happens, yeah, you need to find a different professional. Yeah. And what you need to say to them is not you're a bad trainer or a bad veterinarian. You yeah. need to say to them, our values are out of line. And that's okay. There are yeah. things that I do that are not in line with what you do. And that's okay. We don't all have to have the same values. But what you do have to have is a professional who is working with you, who supports what you're doing. Because yeah. if they don't support what you're doing, then you've got a problem. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank you. So, um, what, so where do you think owners can go for support so obviously they they've got like sort of medical support like with the vet and the trainer and behaviorist but um where else could they should they go for support um you know generally if they can't speak to family and friends you know because it can be quite a volatile well i don't know is it potentially 
it's a, it's a difficult topic to bring up, isn't it? Because you get those that will say, like, oh, well, if, I, if it, they were mine, I'd have done this, that, or the other. So, um, you know, what do you, what do you suggest? couple of things about that. The first thing is, is that your, your trainer should be a huge part of your support network. Mm -hmm. um, at least in the program that I run, yeah. we also have your fellow students. Losing mm -hmm. Lulu is a fantastic online resource. Um, yeah. It's very, very kind. We're going to have a whole episode talking about Losing Lulu and what it is and mm -hmm. how it works and why it works. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are other things that you can do. Do be careful, though. Um, you know, I always tell people, work with a therapist if you can. Yeah. Because putting all of this on someone who is not trained to deal with your grief can be yeah. very, very tough for your friends and neighbors. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I've had situations where clients have said to me, I was talking to my neighbor every day and I went for coffee and they were so supportive and it was was so wonderful and then it turned out that they didn't support me after all yeah. and I say okay maybe you just overfilled their support cup they have yeah. a cup yeah. and once you fill up all of that cup they can't support you anymore and yeah. so you've got to make sure that you've got good boundaries on your end and that the people who are helping you have good boundaries on their end yeah. I think um you know, in a, if you happen to be someone who is participating in a religious or spiritual community, that is an important place for you to put some of this and say, hey, I'm going through something that's very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. That's what spiritual communities should be there for. They mm -hmm. should be able to say, I will help you. I will support you. Mm -hmm. And I look for communities that are saying, I may not understand. I may not agree but it is not my burden to carry my relationship with you is such that I will support you in carrying your burden it's not my burden yeah. so what I want to do is I want people who are going to take the other end of the ladder as we carry it along I don't want somebody to make that ladder their own mm -hmm. yeah brilliant thank you um so we've talked a bit about, you know, like guilt, guilt feelings and remorse and, and regret. So um, is there anything else you would like to add to anyone out there that is maybe feeling bad for either, either considering behavioural euthanasia or just gone through it and they're still struggling to come to terms with what they've done, the enormity of what has happened? Um, you know, is there anything else that you would like to sort of put out there for anyone that's maybe feeling a bit... Be kind. Yeah. Be kind. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. Be kind to everyone else. Um, take care of yourself. Put put yourself first a little bit. You know, the day yeah. that we euthanized my horse, I had a feast. Yeah. I, I had a feast and I invited a whole bunch of people over. I am the quintessential extrovert. I am the extrovert's extrovert. So when I'm hurting, I want everybody else to know about it and help yeah. me with it and talk yeah. about it. And I want to put that somewhere. And yeah. gosh, that was healing for me to have that mm -hmm. feast because, you know, some of it was just recognizing the loss. Yeah. Um, when you lose an animal, I think that finding ways to recognize that loss mm -hmm. and recognize their life as important. Okay. Yeah. Well, again, with behavior, it's a little different because nobody says to me, well, you're breaking your leg at me. Mm -hmm. But they may say, hey, you bit me. 
And so, you know, when, when a dog or a cat or an iguana or whatever animal you've got, when yeah. they have a physical problem, that's not something that's happening to you. Yeah. That's something that's happening to the animal. Yeah. But when they have a behavior problem, you know, you have a dog who's got severe separation anxiety and he has jumped out of your living room window and yeah. caused $700 worth of damage window and cut himself all up. And then he has, you know, caused a car accident in front of your home. Yeah. That can feel really personal. That can feel like you did that to me, but yeah. they didn't. No. And so what you have to do is be kind to yourself and say, that wasn't something the animal did to me. That is something that happened to my animal. Yeah. And I miss him and mm -hmm. I'm sad. Yeah. And I regret that it happened. Mm -hmm. And I regret that I was hurt by it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I often think about, you know, go and get yourself a nice blankie. Yeah. And sit yourself on the couch and wrap yourself up. I, I went to the UK one time. I, I had one trip to the UK. The yeah. one thing that I have to tell you in the UK that you guys have down pat. Nobody yeah. has this anywhere else in the world, okay? Would you yeah. like a cup of tea? Everybody <laughs> says that to you at the best times. Would you like a cup of tea? Oh, yeah. Why, yes, I would. <laughs> and what you need at that time is get your blankie, sit yeah. on the couch, and have somebody say to you, could I just get you a cup of tea? Yeah. And it's something very, there's something very comforting about having somebody yeah. offer you to a cup of tea when you feel yeah. kind of off balance or yeah. be kind to yourself. You know? yeah. and, and sometimes what I'll do is, I mean, I'm really lucky. My husband is fantastic. He makes me cups of tea all the time. Yeah. But once in a while, if he's not home or if I'm out on a trip or something, yeah. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to make you a cup of tea. And I, I kind of do this third person thing. I'm going, to, I'm going to make you a cup of tea. So I play both sides of the conversation. Yeah. And when I make myself a cup of tea like that, okay, it's Red Rose Black Tea. Red yeah. Rose is a Canadian brand yeah. and, and it's the best tea. And my grandmother drank that tea and I drank it with my grandmother. And I make a big cup of it and yeah. I, I steep it in the mug which is what I like even though I know that's not how we're supposed to make tea but <laughs> I, I steep it in the mug and yeah. then I make it very weak and I put like like three times too much sugar in it and yeah. this is my little thing that I do to make me feel good it has nothing yeah. to do with anybody else and it allows me to take both the caregiving and the care roles and yeah. then I can take my nice cup of tea and I can sit curled up in my blankie yeah. um, sometimes I do this when I'm out on the land and I'm camping and I wrap myself in my my sleeping bag in my hammock and I drink my tea with a book and I oh, just yeah. and you know that's a kindness that I can give to myself yeah the other thing that I'll say is be kind to other people offer yeah. someone else their cup of tea whatever their cup of tea happens to be yeah and you know I, I, I say sometimes the times when I am feeling worst about things like this, one of the things I do is I write thank you cards and I mail yeah. them to people. Yeah. Uh, and and it, hey, you know, I got to tell you what, it is such a rush to go to the mailbox and know that you have an envelope full of kindness and love oh. and you put it in the mailbox and mail is amazing. Mail is my yeah. favorite because if you think about this, right? for a very small cost yeah. you can put your envelope in a box and someone else is going to open that box get your envelope they're going to pass it to another person yeah. 
yeah. who will pass it to another person who will pass it to another person who will put it on a truck sometimes they put it on an airplane and then at the other end a complete stranger who's never met me is yeah. eventually going to take it to the other person mm -hmm. and they're going to open up their mailbox and there's mm -hmm. going to be a little piece of me in there yeah and one of the things that i always like to say is true love multiply multiplies it mm -hmm. divides yeah. And that's a little piece of love that I can give and I can it, allow it to at the other end, it's going to multiply. And the yeah. thing that's really cool about that, it doesn't multiply for the recipient. Mm -hmm. It multiplies for me, too, yeah. because when you give love out, mm -hmm. you get love back. Yeah. And when somebody is unkind to you in your grief, when somebody mm -hmm. is saying to you, well, I could have done that better. Yeah. My answer to them is, I know, maybe you could have. I wish that was an option I could have explored. Yeah. But it wasn't an option that was possible for my situation. Yeah. And right now I need a little bit of care. I need a little bit of kindness. Yeah. Don't contradict them and tell them, no, you couldn't. Just say, yeah. I know. I know you could. But it wasn't possible. Yeah. And you'll get a few people who are going to say, well, why wasn't it possible? Mm. And what I tend to say to that is, I'm so sad. I can't talk about that right now. This is a yeah. bad time for me to discuss it. Can you wait? Mm -hmm. Can you wait and let's discuss it six months or a year? Don't contradict them because it just makes them dig in and get harder with you. But if you say to them, gosh, I wish I could have done that. I wish we could have been able to do that yeah but what i need right now i need your care i need your consideration yeah and i've even said to people that i don't know terribly well what i need is for somebody to love me right now yeah and i'll tell you when you tell a complete stranger i need you to just love me that totally disarms them and they yeah. look at you and they go but i want to tell you how bad you are yeah. <laughs> yeah. what are they going to say no yeah yeah you know and yeah. and and i am very good at that but i've i've been doing it for a long time now. yeah did yeah. you i know we're pushing time aren't we i think so we're I mean, up against the clock now we've got one last question which you've sort of touched upon okay just, just now which is that how do you cope with others potentially negative or differing views so you start you sort of touched upon that briefly just then and I don't, if you'd like to sort of elaborate on that a bit, and then um, I think we'll wrap up this episode and come back in, in the next one. Um, so, yeah, so All right. how do you cope with others sensitive so, from views? You know, basically what I was saying already is, is how I deal with it. So the very first thing is, is don't argue with those people. Yeah. They are not grieving. They are looking at things that you have done and taking them on. It's not their burden. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just have to say, it wasn't your choice to make. Yeah. But there are ways to say, you can say, that wasn't your choice to make. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's just going to create a lot more bad feeling. When you're yeah. grieving, you already feel anger. You already feel grief. You already feel horrible. Yeah. So don't do that. When you're grieving, what you want to do is you want to say, um, you know, hey, that wasn't your choice to make. Yeah. I, I wish that we could have done it that way, but it yeah. wasn't your choice to make. Yeah. And 
you know, I'm, I, I know that that's how you feel. Acknowledge the other person's feelings. Yeah. Again, that disarms them a little bit. They're looking mm -hmm. for you to be defensive. Don't yeah. buy into that. You, once you've made the decision and you've gone through the euthanasia, re-examining that decision is counterproductive and we yeah. all know we're all up at 2 30 in the morning lying in bed looking at the ceiling saying well what if i had shipped him to yugoslavia yeah. like, well what if you had is that going to change the problem no it's not going to change the problem mm -hmm. so you know don't let someone else feed into that whole piece mm. and then by acknowledging them and just saying, yeah, that I wish you could have. I, yeah. That's right. You you may well have been able to do that. Acknowledge yeah. them because you're not arguing with them now. No. And then say to them, I can't talk about this right now. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with saying that. I also tell people sometimes it's okay to just say, I'm too upset to talk about why my dog died right now. Yes. I, and I say dog because... I deal mostly with dogs, but I am just too upset. My dog died. He died recently. Yeah. And I can't talk about it right now. And yeah. that's fine. You don't mm -hmm. have to talk about it. I think one of the things people make the mistake of is thinking that they have to justify every action that they've done. Yeah. And again, you know, look at an analogy. Do you have to justify whether you wore socks today? No, yeah. you chose to do that. Yeah. We don't we don't just simple things do you, do you justify what you had for breakfast this morning yeah you know this morning i had a tuna and egg salad sandwich for breakfast yeah. that's my choice i like tuna and egg salad sandwiches and that's what i felt like having at breakfast time yeah i didn't eat cereal or toast and i don't have to explain myself my mother always used to say when you're an adult you can do whatever you want yeah and yeah. you know my mom's not wrong my yeah. mom's not wrong and and you can just say I made a choice. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm not willing to discuss it. Yeah. And yeah. that's fine. You yeah. know, and I think one of the things is is when we start being very straightforward with people, and I'm I'm known for being very straightforward with people. Mm -hmm. When we know that this is something that that we have done and we have had to face on our own. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we just say to people, it's not up for discussion. Yeah. And then don't discuss it. That's the other piece, though. If, if you say it's not up for discussion, yeah. then you can't come back in a minute and and come back to it and, mm. and discuss it. You have to say, well, it's not open for discussion. Yeah. I'm not ready to discuss this right now. Yeah. And you keep coming back to the same thing. You know, it's mm. like getting a three-year-old to put on their coat and boots to go outside in the wintertime. I don't want to put on my coat. Put on your coat. Yeah. I don't want to put on my your coat. You're so mean. Put on your coat. What's the answer? Put on your coat. Yeah. If you and sometimes we have to do that with adults. They're going to say, "Well, I want to talk about this." Well, I'm sorry, but this happened to me. Yeah. I'm grieving. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But then if you then jump up and you say, "Okay, well, you know, he was really special to me." Now you're opening the door and you just mm -hmm. keep saying the same message again. I'm sorry, this is a fresh loss. I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. I'm terribly sorry, but it's important to me that I talk about this. Yeah. This is not a good time for me to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your concern. 
we're not going to talk about this right now. And the more that you do that and the more that you just stand on that line, the easier it is to just say to people, you are entitled to your view. You're absolutely entitled to your view. But I'm not going to play into that view. And I think one of the things that I've experienced by being very forthright that way is then I start getting support. And it's often unexpected support. Mm -hmm. And you'll find support in the most unusual places. And one of the things that you're going to find is that, you know, you go to your child's daycare and somebody's going to say to you, I heard that your cat passed away this week. And you say, yes. And they say, I'm so sorry, what happened? And you say, you know, it's really hard. I don't want to talk about it right now. And they say, I had a cat not that long ago that I lost too. And I lost my cat because it had an obsessive compulsive disorder. And Mm. all of a sudden you go, what? I'm not the only one? I'm not alone? And that's when the door opens and you can find help because you're going to find when you're, when you're just very matter of fact about this is what happened. I may tell you why I may not tell you why all of a sudden you're going to have other people saying to you, this happened to me too. Yeah. And I didn't have support and I want to give you support now because kindness, kindness matters. It does. Love multiplies. It never divides. It does. does. Thank you. All right. So, so shall you. we talk again next week? I think we shall. Yes. Or, all right. Good so, stuff. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for coming on. It's been brilliant. Thank you. And I really hope and I'm sure that um, our listeners will have gained uh, a lot of useful information and support from that. And um, no, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate uh, you coming on. Um, so to anybody listening, I will put... Um, links in the comments uh, about the about losing Lulu and Sue's courses that she runs and Sue's details um, if you're in Canada or the States or what have you and um, if you are still around um, our next episode will be all about uh, losing Lulu which um, is a very special group on Facebook and um, I can't wait to um, get talking about that because it's brilliant, honestly. Um, in the meantime, if you want to check it out, you know, just have, have a look. But, um, yeah, so tune in for next week's episode where we will be talking about losing Lulu with Sue again. So thank you all so much for listening. And um, any questions, any feedback, any feedback, um, you know, good, bad or in between, it's always welcome. And uh, if you have any questions um, or anything like that, then please just let me know and I can put them to Sue at another point. And, you know, if need be, we can always do another another episode. So thank you so much, um, Sue, for your time. And thank you to my listeners. And so I will say goodbye for now and see you in the next episode. So thank you very much. So... Hello and welcome to the All Creatures Great and Gone podcast with me, Carrie, pet bereavement counsellor. Welcome to another episode and this episode is a follow-on from previous week's episode where we talked about behavioural euthanasia with Sue who is a certified dog behaviour consultant and professional certified professional dog trainer etc. 
and we discussed behavioural euthanasia, what it is, um, what it entails, how you may be feeling, where you can go to for support. So if you missed that, you know, have a, have a look, have a listen and see what you think. Um, we briefly talked about a group that um, Sue runs called Losing Lulu. And that is what today's episode is all about, because I felt that this group is so special and is so wonderful and it deserves an episode all on its own. It really does, because there's just so much to, to fit in and to do it justice. I think we need to dedicate this episode to, to losing Lulu. So um, in case you missed the original episode, Sue Alexander is a certified dog behaviour consultant a certified professional dog trainer, knowledge and skills assessed, and a certified behaviour consultant, canine, knowledge assessed. And for the past 27 years, Sue has been teaching dog training and she owns and operates Dogs in the Park in Guelph, Ontario, Canada, with her husband, John. And they offer full service dog training, both in person and online. And Sue is available for um, training and support for any, any of my listeners in the UK also. And Sue founded Losing Lulu in 2019, and it is an online support group for people who have lost animal companions, so not limited to dogs or cats, uh, to a behavioural euthanasia. So, um, without further ado, hello Sue, how are you? Good, how are you, Carrie? I'm not too bad, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming back on and, uh, you know, talking to me about um, your wonderful group. Um I, I can't wait for well, I'm just tickled to... with the idea of I, I'm just tickled with the idea of international travel but not having to leave home. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, this is it's good, isn't it? It's like yeah, it's brilliant. Because um like what we were saying, um you know, I was talking about like weather and things and uh, how, how cold it gets and that here's me thinking like I don't know. 10 15 like degrees is like a bit chilly and now it's like we say it can be i don't know obviously the coldest you said you'd, you'd been out to like minus 50 or something stuff like that Just... i went camping in minus 50 the coldest i've been out in was a minus 60 Goodness. and uh, that was out on the prairies in canada about 20 years ago and we had ice fog and that's actually really dangerous to be out in but it's fascinating and so beautiful <laughs> Like, oh. It's so beautiful, but so deadly. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, so, beautiful and quite deadly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think well, this is this is brilliant. This is like you know the power, the wonder of the internet, you know, and we we can, uh, like you say, you know, you're in the UK and I'm in Canada now, and we've not even left either's uh, household. I know. So, that's brilliant. I love it. Um, so as I said, thank you so much for coming and talking to me again. Um. I wanted to uh, dedicate an episode to Losing Lulu and um, I first heard about Losing Lulu when somebody in another Facebook group mentioned the name and because I'm a nosy moo I was like oh that sounds intriguing I wonder what that's about and so um, you know I've been a member for a few months now I think and I would I, yeah I'd, I'd like you to um, you know just explain to the listeners what is Losing Lulu um, for anyone out there that doesn't know. Why don't I start at, start at the start? Um, a good friend of mine, Trish McMillan, who's a trainer in the U.S., had a dog that she was fostering named Lulu. 
And she had fostered that dog on and off for about a year and she'd placed her one place and it didn't work out. So it came back and Lulu came and lived with her for a bit. Just frozen for a second, won't be a minute. I see it's quite rural and so it's hard. Yeah, there. Oh, hi, you're back. Hi, you? Oh, we froze for a sec. I'm back. Yeah, we you're back. All right. So I'll, I'll start at the start again and hope that it's not too, too um, difficult for our, our audience. I am rural and you are right. Once in a while, we lose my internet. Um, last time, lose it at all, but we, we lost me for a moment there. Yeah. So um, my friend Trish McMillan who is a trainer in um, North Carolina, had this dog, Lulu. And she'd placed her once and loomed back. And then she had tried another placement that didn't work and Lulu came back. And in December of 2018, Trish went away for a couple of days. Um, I think she was on a road trip. And she left Lulu in the care of a pet sitter. And when she came home, it was when she walked in the door, everything was really, really exciting. And Lulu had an episode of redirected aggression onto one of Trisha's other's, other dogs. And it was a devastating fight. It was an absolute attack. And it took two of them to try and get Lulu off of the other dog. They had to use a brake stick. Luckily, um, Trisha's pet sitter is a trainer and they were able to get brake sticks very quickly and they were able to contain it but in the very short time that that fight happened um, lulu inflicted about 800 dollars american of damage on the other dog right. now because um trish uh trish's rescue is a the emergency vet and on the way there she the other dog was in one car Lou was in um, another car and Trish phoned the vet and and she explained what had happened and she said will you do behavioral euthanasia yeah. and the vet said yes so they brought Lulu in and Lulu was really good for the vet and they kindly said goodbye because Lulu was just too dangerous to place anywhere because yeah. she would have would have killed this other dog yeah. and it was it was awful it was really really hard and you know Trish was feeling really really badly about this and she thought about it for a day or two before she posted to her page Lulu had gotten a lot of coverage on Trish's page playing with Theodore and, um, you know, she'd been posting about Lulu's updates and Lulu's training and how Lulu was doing. And, and so she posted that Lulu had died. And then the internet trolls got going with a vengeance. Yeah. And we've seen this happen before. Um, yeah. This happens with relative frequency. And yeah. on her private page, where it's just her friend, people that she actually knows, 
we were talking and people started saying, we need a support group. And somebody else would say, well, yes, we do. And somebody else would say, it would be such a good idea to have a support group. And somebody else would say, I don't know why somebody doesn't do this. And I'm sitting there reading that. And I'm like, it's very easy to support start a support group. Yeah. Now, the important thing to know at that point is, is recovering from a pretty significant head injury at that point. And it comes into play in a minute in the story so what happened was i went to facebook and hit the add a group button and i made a group and i called it what am i going to call it and i'm sitting there thinking and i'm the heck can i call this thing and i thought losing lulu what a great name so i i posted losing lulu and then i went back to trisha's page with a link to that page and i said you're right we do need a support group here it is and I posted it in. And within an hour, I had 100 members. And I went, oh, oh, oh. the idea that there might be, you know, 50 or 60 people eventually. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I had 100 people. By wow. the end of the week, I had 500 people. Yeah. Within a month, I had 1,000. Goodness. And it, it, grew incredibly and it grew very very quickly but as I said I live with a traumatic brain injury Mm -hmm. and what that means is my ability to be on the computer is actually a little bit limited and so immediately I I called out on the losing Lulu group and I said all right folks if you all want to talk about death that's fantastic I can't do this alone yeah so Trish I started I made Trish an admin right off the bat, and then we added a bunch of people to the administration team, and then it grew. And we now actually have a process. We have 19, 18 or 19 of us, I think, who are administering this, and we have kind of two levels of administration. We have um, the administration level that has full moderation rights on the site. And then we have what we call list ambassadors. And list ambassadors are just who are a little bit privy to what's going on behind and how we set policy and how we decide things and what's going on. Yeah. But they don't have moderation um, um, control. And the reason that we do that is it allows to um, let people see what we're all about and whether or not they actually want to be on the administration side. And it allows us to find out whether or not they've got the skills to be on that. So it's a two-tiered development. Um, And what we like to say is we want everybody to be a list ambassador and read the rules and know the rules and help keep those rules moving smoothly. But we do need some people who can help us to, to run the group. So in that first couple of months, um, it was a little bit of the, the Wild West on, on losing Lulu because initially we, we wanted to support people with, with behavioral euthanasia. Yeah. Uh, internet troll bullying nonsense that happens. We wanted to make sure that we were able to say, okay, you know what? It's not acceptable. Yeah. to trash someone's business because they had to as an animal because of yeah. a behavior problem. And yeah. it's not cool to call someone names. Yeah. It's just not cool. It's not no. right. It's not appropriate. Yeah. And so what we, what we did at the beginning was 
anybody could talk about anything. I didn't want to put any limits on anybody. And one of the things that happened right off the bat was we started having people talking about dogs and cats and animals who were pending euthanasia. So they would say, you know, um, my, my cat is very, very difficult and she's very aggressive to me and we can't give her medication and we can't touch her. And sometimes when we're just sitting there, she'll randomly attack our feet and she sent my son to hospital. Okay. Mm-hmm. And things yeah. like that happen, you, you know, and they've said, we've chosen euthanasia and we're going to euthanize her on Saturday or Thursday or whenever. Yeah. And what we found is that those people would sometimes then come on on Friday and they'd say, we've changed our mind. And they might become frequent flyers of of that. And that actually really became a problem. So we then started having a rule. You couldn't talk a living Lulu or an animal who was not yet deceased. And it wasn't that we didn't to talk to them it's that we didn't want to substitute working with a professional one-on-one yeah um and because you know the internet is just absolutely full of people who are going to say well if you give that dog to me i'll fix him or <laughs> you need to just try this and you'll be able to solve the problem completely yeah. and so what we did was we said we're not here to avoid a euthanasia or to treat an animal. We're here to support people who are already grieving an animal who is gone. Mm-hmm. And that's what Lulu became really our guiding principles. And then we, we have a bunch of rules. Um, the chief amongst them, the first rule we've got is be kind. Yeah. Yeah. Here, watch there I know you're you're on Lulu and you've probably seen this mm. is that on on losing Lulu um, everybody practices being kind being yeah. kind takes practice yeah. it's not something that you just do it's something that you have to practice and get good at yeah and, you know at first you may just practice by hitting an emoji and you know hitting the care emoji or you may just practice by saying, I'm so sorry. Or you may practice by putting in a GIF or a GIF, what, whatever you want to call them, or a sticker or yeah. something like that. But over time, people start getting better at it. And really mm-hmm. cool to watch what happens. Because people say things like, I can see how much you loved your animal companion. I can see how much you loved your, your friend. I can mm-hmm. see how important he was and how you are at his loss. Yeah. Um, another thing that we do is we never name blame or shame. It's no. really, really important on, on Lulu. Okay. Yeah. Is that this is a group that is not about being in a place where you can lay your anger. Yeah. You know, we know you're angry and it's important to know there's a difference between saying, this is what I feel. Mm-hmm. And Articulating your anger by saying, I feel the, or, or some, but by, by blaming someone, this is the last owner's fault, or this is the rescue's fault, or the breeder shouldn't have. Okay. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that when you acknowledge your own feelings, that becomes very healing. That says, I am angry. I'm angry that my animal had this problem. I agree that 
my animal is gone. But it's a little bit different than saying it's someone's fault or this is who did this to my animal. And it's a fine line. Once in a while, we still have to discuss it amongst the moderators as to whether or not we'll moderate a comment. So somebody may say, um, my animal was very malnourished when I got him. Yeah. And he was in the care of a rescue. And then we have, or is that just a statement of fact? And so that can be a little bit tricky. But, you know, losing Lulu, what is it? It's, it's a grief support group with significant guidance and aggressive kindness. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the longer version of what losing Lulu is. Yeah. I, I mean, I, like I said, I, I love, I love the group because, um, you know, I don't know. It, it, it is so supportive and I love the fact that, like the admin team, the modmin team are so passionate about making sure that the own that you know the the owners that are in the group and members of the group are protected because out in the the world outside of Facebook or like you know out on the wherever their neighborhood or what have you, it's like they're under so much pressure or um, facing potential negativity from people who should know better or should understand them. Um, that you know you don't want to come into a supportive place or somewhere that should be supportive and feel like you've got to prepare yourself for another fight with people that you, you join the group because you think that these people have been where you are and get it and to be honest I think that's what you've 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 done like losing Lulu I just it, there's a lot of love in the group I love it because it's just so no matter where somebody is in their grief whether it's recent or months down the line, somebody else comes on and it's like, I'll say, you know, I've literally just had my Lulu put to sleep and the people are just so supportive. And even if they don't know what to say, they'll be, they'll say something like, I don't have any words right now, but I'm thinking of you. And I just, I love it. But um, I mean, that's just sort of my view, but what do you think makes losing Lulu so supportive as a, as a group? Um Did you lose me for a second there? I did. I did. There's just um, a little bit of a pause. You've screens frozen. All right. But I think back. we're back. You're back. We're yeah. back. Yeah. Yep. This is one of the tricks of, of the internet. It's so great. But then there's <laughs> these little little glitches. I'm, I'm yeah. hoping that we don't get those glitches again. So, you know, yeah, I, as, I, as I said just a few minutes ago, I think that being kind takes practice. Mm. And sometimes you have to start with I don't know what to say yeah I think it's very true often we don't know what to say yeah and you know it's been interesting because practicing kindness and practicing what to say has had a profound impact on members of the group 
both in the group and outside of the group. And that's the thing that I find so amazing. So when I talk to people about this and I say, okay, well, what did you get out of losing Lulu? And people are saying to me, well, when I'm not on the group and I'm in, I'm on Facebook elsewhere, I've learned that being kind is going to help more people. I've learned that being kind is going to help me. I've learned that blaming other people is not going to make for a productive discussion. And no, people are not saying it in quite so many words, but that's what, what they're getting to, you know. So I, I think that it's, it's a really cool situation. And what it does is it, I, I've seen huge changes in my own life because of this whole thing of practicing kindness and following those rules of don't name, blame, shame. Those are the two big ones for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and what happens then is we get a lot of mutual support and we get people who can say, I see your pain. I've never been through what you're going through, but I see your pain and I'm, I'm standing beside you. Yeah. And I think that, that that synergy, I think that's really important. And, I, you know, I have to tell you in 2020, I think that is particularly important because, yeah. you know, I don't live in, in the UK. I don't know what it's mm -hmm. like to live in the UK. But mm -hmm. I can say to you, Carrie, I noticed the numbers are going up in the UK. I'm really worried for you and your family. How are you doing? Yeah. And I might not have thought of saying that three years ago before losing Lulu. And it's not mm -hmm. that... I wasn't a caring person then. Yeah. It's just I didn't spend as much time reaching out to people and saying, so how are you? And yeah. be genuine in how are you? I want to be kind. I want to help you. Mm -hmm. I may not understand exactly what you're going through. So, you know, um, we recently had our first llama on on losing Lulu where someone mm -hmm. had euthanized a llama for, I think they call it llama rage, um, mm. where the llamas are incredibly aggressive. Yeah. And so, you know, I've never lost a llama. I've only met a couple of llamas in my life. Yeah. They were very nice llamas and they were soft and furry and yeah. squishy and I quite <laughs> liked them. And that was yeah. quite an experience. But I don't know what it's like to have a relationship with a llama. But I can say to you, I see that this llama was important to you. Yeah. And I care. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think... It's really interesting. I, I take some of my, I take some of my thinking from very strange places. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of an author named Spider Robinson. He he wrote a series of books called Callahan's Cross Time Saloon, mm -hmm. and it's science fiction. It's speculative. Uh, it's some fantasy, but one of the things about Callahan's is that they have this idea that burdens shared are lighter and yes. so if you have grief and you share it with me yeah. that sharing makes that grief lighter for you yeah. and what that means is if you share it with everybody and, and Lulu losing Lulu now has about 8,500 members I think and we're growing mm -hmm. um, and you know I don't feel like like we'll ever be completely full I think that it's perfectly fine to keep growing yeah. But what that means is, is that when you cast out your grief and you say, I've lost this animal, you have thousands of people who are, if they're not 
directly commenting yeah. when they see your grief and they look at your animal and they look at, at the animal that you have lost due to a behavior problem, yeah. even if they're not saying it, somewhere in their heart, they're saying to themselves, wow, that animal was well-loved and well-cared for. Yeah. That animal was important. That animal's life was important. And yeah. what that means is your grief is lightened just a little bit. Yeah. And, and you know, grief is, grief is such an, emo an interesting emotion. Grief is, is love unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. Grief is what we can't reach anymore. Yeah. And if you think about that, if you think about it, it's, it's love unfulfilled. And then you think there are 8,500 people who look at that picture and say, that is love. Yeah. Now what you do is you refill some of your love and you get back in a different measure. It doesn't mean that your animal who was lost was not important. Yeah. It means your animal who was lost is more important because more people saw how well-loved he was and how important he was. Yeah. And it's all part of the cycle of loss and regeneration that I think is so very, very important yeah. is that, you know, we, we can go on, we will go on, we will, um, we will keep stepping forward, even when our grief is profounded. There are people on Losing Lulu who have been so profoundly grief stricken for so long. And then what they do is they, they get onto Losing Lulu, they talk about their Lulu. And sometimes these Lulus, we call the, the animals who have, been, who have passed on, we call them Lulus. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the Lulus who've passed on may have passed on a long time ago. I've certainly talked about my first behavioral euthanasia, which is a dog who died in my teens. I'm in my 50s now. So this is going back 40 years. And I've talked about her and gotten support for her and had people say, I see that this animal had value. I see that this animal's life was important. Yeah. I see that your love for this animal continues beyond her corporal existence i see that this is important to you and what that means is although i am still sad over the loss of my companion from my teens mm -hmm. i'm not devastated by it and you know when i when i read some of the people who are on there i think you've been carrying this burden for so long yeah let me just take a corner of that burden and and lift it up yeah yeah that's what I love about, like I said, I love about the, the group. It's just so, I don't know, it, like I say, it, it does lift lift a bit. And um, I like that, you know, people are encouraged to practice being kind. You know, when you've said, um, you know, rather than just leaving an emoji or a reaction, which is fine, try and expand on that a bit by leaving a few words rather than, concentrating on the posts that are quite traumatic and there's a lot going on in it you know give the same amount of love and attention to the ones that are a couple of sentences are not quite as lengthy or involved but the person still needs your support in a way and I love Some, that. sometimes and I like 
sometimes I like going through and just looking at the pictures. Some of the pictures yeah. are hysterical. Like oh, some of the things people do with their dogs and their cats. And, yeah. and, you know, it's amazing what you see in the pictures. And, yeah. and you know, then you can see exactly how involved people were with their with their animals and how their animals were so much a part of their lives. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, and, some of the pictures you look at. There was one. There was a lady who, I think it was a Lulu that she worked with, and you know, it got to the point where she was the only one that was able to work with this particular dog because they, you know, they just had that trust between them. And there's a photo and. This, this, you know, Lulu's like looking at her and you can just see the love in its face and in hers and because you know the story, you can almost see um, I don't know, it, it's like you look at the picture and I think for me personally, it's sort of there's like a deeper pang of pain because you're looking at this picture and you're looking at the story and you're trying to connect the story to the picture which is captured at like when you know at the the you know the 98 percent of the time when they were like okay or that they were you know um like happy and managing and then you know people say like oh but then there was the two percent when you know they were struggling and what have you but or vice versa but you look at these pictures and you just see the love and you see some of the dogs and they've like, you know, the little derpy faces and you just think, look at that. There's just love there, you know, and you just makes you want to reach into the pitch and just smush the little faces. They're just so, but you can see the love, you know, you, you see yeah. and the, the other animals. I think there was a lady had a chicken, I think. And, but you, you see the other animals and you just think, you know, the one thing apart from the pain, the other thing that you see is the love. And you, you can hear it in the words on on the threads, and you just think, I am trying to get better at writing a bit more as a, of a response because I don't want it to come across as like I've just literally like a copy and paste response. Like I'm so sorry, copy paste, you know. But sometimes, like you read a story, and sometimes I think I have no words, but I want to convey to this person that I'm thinking of them because. I cannot imagine for a minute how difficult they must have been to do what they had to do. But I'm so glad that losing Blue well, exists. And you know what? I want to tell you, I think mm -hmm. that it's perfectly fine. There are some days when I might be in a rush. I might not have the time to sit down and think about it. Hit the emoji. It's fine. Yeah. You yeah. know, we can't all write all the time. Yeah. And there are some days when... I'm going through losing Lulu and I'm writing comments. I try and at least a couple of days a week, I like to spend, you know, an hour and go and sit down and just comment on a lot of them all at once. Yeah. But then sometimes what I feel like is I feel like I'm, I'm signing up for the Hallmark sympathy card um, yeah. team poetry writing because yeah. You do get good at it. You get to the point where you know what to say and how to phrase that so that it's going mm. to be helpful. But yeah. then sometimes you get to feeling like, you know, that's all you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's important to, to put in there what hits you at the moment. What, what strikes you? Saying, I have no words. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Saying, gosh, I really love the look of that one moment 
where you were in a canoe and that just brings me back to this time with my own dog Mm -hmm. and you know or uh, that one moment where you're out in front of the pet food store and you've obviously done something that's really important to you doing that is it's fine it Mm -hmm. there is no right and wrong answer to how you respond to that grief beyond to say it must be kind yeah and that's it in fact that's all there is to it it just has to be kind and you know i i think that is going to be in the long run that's how we're going to come overcome the internet trolls yeah is when you're able to you know you're going through your facebook feed or your instagram feed or what have you and you see something there um you know your twitter feed and you find that, you know, somebody that you went to kindergarten with when you were a very small child has just lost a beloved pet, maybe their bunny or, or so on, you know, or you were telling me about the rat that you lost recently. Mm. I've never lived with a rat. Well, that's not true. I lived with one rat and it was not a pleasant experience for either of us. We were not, we did not get along, but I can yeah. tell you what, you know what? I know that for you and your family, that rat is an important member of your family and that there's a loss. And, you know, you and I had a little laugh about how children process grief because I've had some experiences and so on. Mm -hmm. And I can relate to you on that front. I don't have to have had a rat of my own. I think that that's a big piece that we get. And so what that means is when you face a different situation in on the internet and you see people bullying another person because Mm. of a choice for for something like a euthanasia you can say i don't have to engage the bully yeah i can still support my friend who has had this loss yeah or you know i can i can come up with a comment that is going to be supportive practice it on you lulu it's good practice and it it extends well beyond that and you know uh, another reason why it works so well though is thanks to the modmin team we've got 18 amazing people who work on the modmin team the entire page every single post now is on moderation and every single comment is read read by a member of the modmin team we miss very very little and when we get someone making something i mean we've had a few comments that we have had to remove that were truly horrendous and the thing that's tricky is that often these people think that they're saying something supportive and so the most common thing that will happen is that somebody will have rescued an animal most commonly a dog and the dog will come with some behavior problem and the uh, a comment that's intended to be supportive will sound something like um, those terrible people who had the dog before you um, somebody should take them out and shoot them and and we've had people say that Mm. it feels very supportive to say you and me together, we're going to take on the world and we're going to beat down this this terrible thing. Yeah. That feels supportive. In fact, what it's doing is it's adding violence to an already upsetting situation. Yeah. And so those types of comments where there are threats or where there are comments 
we've had things, you know, judgment statements about how terrible a previous owner or rescue or breeder may have been. Mm. And we just remove them completely. We remove yeah. them quickly. They're usually yeah. removed within minutes of having been put up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's really important to understand that that's how we keep losing Lulu safe. People are always like, this is the safest corner of the Internet. You bet. Because we actively police it to make sure that it stays safe. Yeah. And we will continue to do that. You know, one of one of the big struggles that we have is once in a while we'll get somebody who comes on. They may or may not understand what Lulu is really about. And they may take a screenshot of something from losing Lulu and publish it elsewhere. If you ever see that mm. and you report it to the admin team, we will yeah. remove that member immediately. Yeah. And we we just do not allow that to happen. Yeah. Because we want this to be a safe place. This is a really sensitive topic. Oh yeah. It, it's really difficult and people are bearing their souls. Mm. You know, yeah. and we've got to do what we whatever we can. Yeah. to make it safe for people to continue to do this yeah definitely definitely yeah so um what is there anything else you would like others to know about losing lulu um you know i mean i, I think it's a really special group and you know i'm really glad to be like a part of you know, a member of it um so you know if um yeah i mean is there anything else that about losing Lulu that you would like people to, to know? And... A funny thing. Yeah, a really important funny thing. If you yeah. invite all of your friends, yeah, make sure that they know that there are screening questions. Yeah. And when it says, why do you want to join losing Lulu? Do not put yes. <laughs> because yes is not, a, it's not a yes, no question. No. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and some of the ambiguous answers make yeah. a lot of work for the modmin team we have an amazing screener on the the question queue and yeah. she is in charge of most of the membership decisions yeah. and it it started out that we were all doing them but the, it has ended up that one person has taken on the bulk of that job and she works mm -hmm. really, really hard. She has had days where she's had a hundred people apply to join Losing Lulu and it is not an automatic guaranteed coming in. Yeah. Okay, but it asks you three questions. Yeah. And the first question is, let me, let me just look these up actually, because mm -hmm. I wanna read the questions for you. Yeah. Um, I just gotta look them up here on Facebook. Um, and I will will read them to you because if you're answering those questions and you don't answer them well, yeah. then what happens is you're going to be immediately denied or you're going to end up um, with us having to do what's called secondary screening. And secondary screening is really, really, really tricky because it means that we have to um, reach out to you by private message and then if you don't see it we may end up deciding that you are not suitable to the group even if you are so the first question is losing lulu is a grief support group for people who have euthanized pets for behavior 
why do you want to join Losing Lulu? Please be specific. So if you say yes, or for support, or I lost my animal companion, we don't know if you actually understand why we're here. If you say, my dog bit my son and we euthanized him because of that bite, then Mm -hmm. we're going to say, you get it. Yeah. The second thing is, do you agree to not shame, guilt, or second guess anyone here who has euthanized their pet? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that is, I agree. Yes, I agree. Okay. Yeah. Um, But don't just put no or leave it blank. If you leave it blank, then we have to go to secondary screening and that's a lot of work for us. Okay. Then the third question is, do you understand that this is a grief support group for people who have lost an animal to behavior and that no discussion of current pet problems or training advice is permitted? Again, we want you to say yes. And then it goes into the group rules. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the group rules are included there and you have to tick off that you've read them. Yeah. Please read the rules. There are nine or 10 of them. Um, Let me see if I can pull up the rules here. There, here we go. Okay, read them. The first rule is keep it kind. We want you to be kind in both your reading and your writing because we wanna provide compassion and respect. Do not discuss living potential Lulus. We're not offering training advice And we're not offering advice on whether or not you should. And by posting about animals who may become Lulus, it just creates all kinds of problems. Do not blame name or shame. Mm -hmm. Another rule we've got is frame your posts. Don't just put up a bunch of pictures. If you're saying how something is, say, this is how it is for me. And so when you say, you know, it is for me, it was like losing a cherished partner that tells me what it is like for you. Grief is not a competition. Okay. We're asking people, if you've got shares and external likes, please just shoot them over to one of the mod min team so that we can throw it around first. Um, And this is important because some of the things that people have posted as links are just not suitable. Some yeah. of them violate our, our rules, but some of them are just unkind. Okay. Yeah. Do not share any material outside of the group. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't, it's not allowed. No. We also ask people not to post graphic comment. One of the things, uh, content, one of the things that I try and say to people is, Think about how it would be if you were saying this in front of your grandmother. And if your grandmother was the kind of grandma who who said things that were somewhat socially unacceptable, think about how you'd say it in front of my grandmother, who was quite proper. Okay, it doesn't mean that you can't be emotional. It just means, you know, we don't want people using a lot of swear words and that kind of thing. That's it's not what it's about. Okay, Mm -hmm. support the culture. And that means read the list a little bit before you start commenting and posting. And if you're not sure, just use the report to admin function. The modmins reserve the right to moderate. So if there's something we haven't covered, then we're going to reserve the right to to moderate. And then the final rule is one that was created, especially for me personally. Mm -hmm. Please don't post any 3D pictures. 
because of my traumatic brain injury, 3D okay. pictures will actually put me in bed for a couple of days. Okay. So it's it's really important that people read the rules, follow the rules. Yeah. And I would like people to not use 3D pictures at all because whenever they come up in my feed, then I get um, visual disturbances related to my head injury. Right. So those are the things I want you to know about about losing Lulu. It is an incredibly special place. I have met some of the best people there. I really yeah. have. And I have learned so much mm -hmm. about loss and, and grieving loss and being successful in grieving loss. It's yeah. amazing what I've learned. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Good, good. Um, so with, you know, you're saying like, obviously, you know, you, you've learned a bit like since the group started um what other resources are available to anyone that's going through this at the moment one of the things that we try and encourage everybody to do is work with a professional if you're at the point of making a decision about a behavioral euthanasia if there is any way for you to do so work with a professional you should be working with your vet in any event but there are so many behavior professionals out there that you can work with that you know find a behavior a behavior professional if you cannot find one local to you i am available for consult i will get up at two in the morning to help somebody overseas um, i'm in um universal what is the utc uh, oh yeah yeah I, i'm or or gmt greenwich mean time minus five is the time zone i'm in but if you happen to be in plus seven that's going to be a big time shift. Okay, mm -hmm. that's five and seven is uh, the 12. Okay, mm -hmm. that's 12 hours time difference. If you need to talk to me at one in the afternoon, your time, I will get up at one in the morning, my time to talk to you. Yeah. I do charge for that service. But, yeah. you know, I don't have a problem working weird hours now that we're in this global situation. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I am able to consult on behavior problems with people anywhere around the world. But yeah. there are lots and lots of other behavior professionals. There are some really good behavior professionals in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, find somebody to work with. It's really, really important that you find someone to work with. It's such hard work. And when you're faced with that decision, even if what you, you need is just to say, okay, you know what? I need to go through a checklist with somebody to make sure I've dotted all my I's and crossed all my T's yeah. so that I don't euthanize when I shouldn't. I yeah. need to find out from somebody that I have done everything reasonable. And I really emphasize that to people. You don't have to try everything. You just have to try everything reasonable. Yeah. And, you know, Get, get a professional on board. Um, that, that's something that I cannot tell you how important that is. Yeah. And that's going to help you with so many things. It's going to, I may be able to say, hey, wait a minute, there's this one small thing that you're not thinking about. Mm -hmm. Try this. And that may be what solves the problem. Or yeah. I may say, okay, let's look at this really seriously. And let's look at the welfare of your dog, your family, and your community. Because I think we need to consider behavioral euthanasia now. And that's what I do for a living. So if all you need is a single appointment, I can absolutely help you and most other behavior professionals will. Yeah. Okay. 
because mostly what I want to do is I want to help people to have better relationships with their animals. And although it's sad, sometimes the best relationship is saying, I'm going to help you leave now. Yeah. I'm going to help you take the next step on your journey. Yeah. And in fact, when, when my animals are passing, that's something that I always tell them. You're going to keep walking your path. And you're going to walk on ahead of me. And we can't walk together anymore. Yeah. And I love you so much. Yeah. And if I can help people to help their animals to take that next step on the journey, yeah. that's actually a really cool thing to get to do for a living. Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. And thank you for, um, you know, for, for mentioning that you're available for, you know, um, support for people in, in the UK. Because I'm hoping that, like I said, people will be listening and thinking, oh, you know, I'd really like to talk to Sue. Like, oh, but she's in Canada. And then now they know that distance isn't yep. an issue. You know, and I also I, I do have webinars as well. But the other one that we want to make sure that people know about is the webinars that I've done with Trish McMillan. Yes. So um, we have one called um, Behavioral Euthanasia for Families. Yep. We also have a four week course that's coming up in February of 2021. Okay. And that's for mm -hmm. professionals. Yeah. And it's called Talking About Behavioral Euthanasia with Clients. Um, and the intention of that one is to help mostly trainers, but we've had some veterinary technicians, um, we've had some shelter workers, um, you know, this was, this is the kind of, of course that you might take Ooh. about how to talk about behavioral euthanasia yeah. because, um, and it's a four week course. Mm -hmm. So that's going to go in the comments as well. So I'll put all, I'll, put all those links into a document and send them to you so that you've got oh. them so you can put them up. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and I think webinars are often a really, really good place mm -hmm. to start, especially because as we talked about in the previous issue, sometimes resources become very, very scarce when we're working with animals with serious behavior problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's brilliant. I think the... Um, the webinar and, and the course, the you know the four week course, I think would be very, would be very good for you know like clients and um, you know professionals alike because I think there's not really anything out there like that. I think you know I think um, it's a shame there's so little information out there, and I think that yourself and Trish are really helping to you know, break the stigma surrounding behavioural euthanasia and encourage, I mean, just the sheer volume of people that have joined Losing Lulu shows how much this topic needs to be addressed and talked about and open, you know, out in the open sort of thing. And Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's it's brilliant. Um, because Thank you. It, you know, it is, I love the group and, and I love um, how um, there's a little bit of, of humour in there, like with um, Charles, um, oh, King Charles! Yes, King Charles, it, it, it's, it's magnificent, and you know, and uh, you know, it, it, it comes and down he, there and again to make sure everyone's towing the line and being being kind. And as he, he's awesome. the rules rooster. Rules you know where rooster. King Charles? You know where King Charles lives, don't you? No. 
He lives in Cluckingham Palace. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> Trish got a super deluxe hen house oh. that has a timed door so she doesn't have to get up early or be home right at dusk. Yeah. She can can put the timer on the door so the chickens get oh. closed in at night like they're yeah. supposed to be. Anyways, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> she says, I don't know what I'm going to call this place. And she sent me a picture and I said, oh. you're going to call it Cluckingham Palace. Oh, that is amazing. I love that. That's perfect. <laughs> we have a lot of fun. You know, oh. the uh, uh, for all that we talk about death all yeah. day long, yeah. the Bogman team is a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Many of us are Harry Potter fans. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about sitting in the, the U-Bend and talking about death. Oh. You, know, you know, from the, the Moaning Myrtle character. Oh, yeah. I'm sitting yeah. in the U-Bend talking in... about death. <laughs> and so we talk about sitting in the U-Bend a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, we have we have a number of Harry Potter references within our own group because we've yeah. got a separate group for for administering the the larger group but yeah. um we have a lot of fun i mean given that that our topic is fairly heavy yeah um, it's a lot of fun we you know we yeah. talk about uh, we talk about all kinds of things and some days you know we have check-ins so we we just check in yeah. with how each other are doing and yeah. you know when we've had members of our team who are ill or whatever mm -hmm. um we we take care of them and we yeah. do things that help them out and yeah. you know it, it becomes that kind of is the heart for where everything else stems from and um yeah i don't think that that death has to always be sad you know i mean no. we were talking was it on on this one or the last episode where i was talking about alex who um bit all of my motor oil on the way to his euthanasia oh, gosh, yeah that was on the original on the first episode yeah right right oh my goodness and i mean can yeah. you imagine you put your dog in the back of the car yeah drive all the way to the veterinarian's office yeah. and you get there and he's dripping in motor oil and you're like seriously <laughs> Like today, now, today, yes, you've made your mark. You made your point. Yeah. Yep. That's that's the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Aww. So the thing is, is that I I think when we are losing an animal who has created such behavioral havoc in our lives, one of the mm -hmm. things that we have to realize is that amongst that behavioral havoc, there's a lot of effort and connection that goes into the relationship. Yeah. And so there's joy in that. You yeah. know, when I think back to the, the first dog in my life who died of a behavior reason, I was 14. Mm -hmm. She had been my constant companion since I was seven. Yeah. And she and I used to go exploring. And sometimes I'll go out, you know, I, you know, I do a lot of canoeing out in the bush. I do a lot of solo trips into the bush. So I'll go and spend three, four, five weeks alone yeah. in the wilderness. And once yeah. in a while, I'll be on a trail. And, you know, the ghost of that experience is sitting inside me. And I'll be like, this is just like when I used to go out in the bush with Thurber. And yeah. she's there. She's with me. And there's yeah. so much joy now in recognizing yeah. the event and saying, this is important to who I became. This yeah. is important to why I am who I am. And then yeah. when I think about 
further animals in my life who've passed. You know, I was riding a horse today and it's actually the, the mother of the horse that, that died last year of a behavior oh. problem. And mm. we were just, we're just cooling out. It was the end of our ride and mm. she just sighed. And there was that moment of, this feels so much like it was with kayak when it was good. It was so good. And that, that yeah. echo is within the experience. And mm. so I can really relive the good times because yeah. I have somewhere to put the hard times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. Why? Thank well, you. So thank you. Um, oh, so thank much. you. It's, I had it's fun. been lovely. It's been nice, isn't it? It's, it's been lovely talking to you because, you know, honestly, uh, ever since I joined Lucy and Lulu, I've just felt that it's been, it's a lovely group, honestly. And, so anyone listening out there that hasn't heard of losing Lulu, um, you know, honestly, check it out, please, um, because it is so supportive, so well managed, and you know, it's it's run well, to, not to the point where you feel stifled. It's literally the rules are there to keep the, keep it a safe space, but that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to express what you need to express. It's just as I long should. As you know, Carrie, I should just yeah. mention too, if you are a behavior professional, a grief counselor, a veterinarian, mm -hmm. a social worker, a veterinary nurse, a veterinary technician, yeah. okay, anybody who is related to the animal care industry and yeah. you have been touched by behavioral euthanasia, mm -hmm. just put that in your reason to join. You can just say, you know, I am a veterinarian and I'm touched by behavioral euthanasia and we will let you in. You don't yeah. have to have directly owned an animal who has died for a behavioral reason. But we have people who say, you know, my brother had to euthanize his Labrador and mm -hmm. I'm really sad because his Labrador died because of a behavior problem. We're going to let you in as well because it's yeah. all there to support you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we've had some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful veterinarians on, on the group who have said, I had a behavioral euthanasia this afternoon. I gave the person the Losing Lulu group as a resource, yeah. but I'm hurting because, man, our veterinarians, sometimes they hurt so badly after those. Oh, They've yeah. tried every bit as hard as they could yeah. to help their clients to address the needs of their patients and sometimes it just doesn't so if you are a behavior professional or a veterinary professional please join we'd yes. love to have you yeah thank you very much and i will put a link all right to, um i'll put a link to losing lulu in the in the notes in the description podcast episode description and um so if you don't mind sending me um all the links to the webinars and the courses that are upcoming i will and, get uh, that out to you probably this afternoon but might not be till tomorrow morning but no, this episode fine. won't drop for a couple of days so we're okay yeah no that's good that's good and i'll send that i'll send that out and uh, then people can get in touch if they want to so thank you very much sue for your time and thank you to everyone out there that is tuned in and is listening today um i hope you've enjoyed today's episode as well if you missed the first episode Please go back to last week um, when uh, I spoke to Sue about her work and what behavioural euthanasia means. And again, you know, I hope you've enjoyed listening and any and all feedback is welcome, good, bad or in between. If you have any questions, um, anything that you would 
like to put to suit, let me know. Um, you know, comment, um, leave a, a, a post or what have you, and I will pass it on. So thank you everyone for, for tuning in. Thank you so much to Sue for coming on. And uh, I will see you at the next episode. So thank you very much. Take care. Bye. Bye. Stop. Mm.